Welcome to the Really Useful Podcast. Uh, I'm Christian Corley, Deputy Editor at MakeUseOff.com, and joining me is one of my fellow deputies, uh, Ben Stegner. Hi, Ben. Hello, Christian. How's it going? Yeah, I'm really good. You? I'm doing great, fellow deputy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like a teacher. Uh, <laughs> okay, so in this week's show, we're going to be discussing the new camera on Twitter. We're going to take a look at how Windows 10 can now uninstall buggy updates. We're going to look at some uh, common keyboard shortcut mistakes. We're going to uh, find out, try and unpack the legality of Kodi. And we're also going to be looking at a few different uh, say topical YouTube channels to kick back and enjoy that Ben's been looking at recently uh, i think we should uh, kick off with the new twitter in app camera however yeah, uh, let's take a look yeah take a look at that then I mean, it gives you two options capture and live uh, capture allows you to take a photo with a short press or shoot a video with a long press while live allows you to start broadcasting live as per the uh periscope system that uh, twitter uh bought and incorporated uh some months ago now i uh I've never, I think maybe, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I've never done that, but I think I've probably done it once. I've rarely used the live option on Twitter, so I'm not sure if I'm going to start using it now just because they've incorporated it. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I've never really done um, live, I don't think on any social network. Um, we went on, I know we went on Facebook Live when we were at CES, but I can't think of a time when I've ever really gone live. I probably wouldn't do it on Twitter. I'd probably prefer Instagram or Facebook, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't really think of Twitter as a place for images quite as much. Maybe that's just me. But when I see a picture on Twitter, it's usually like a screenshot that someone's referencing more than like a photo that they took. So maybe this just isn't aimed at people like me. No, I think <laughs> you're probably right. I mean, again, I mean, really, you podcast today live on Facebook before Christmas. So... Yeah, you know, back in late 2018. So Facebook does seem more apt, I think, for live. But then again, I, th I suppose it's probably something to do with the scenario and the situation. For instance, uh, if you were at an event or an incident with major ramifications or news where the ramifications was unfolding before you, then perhaps the live option is a wise option to choose um but then again given what happened uh a few days ago then uh in new zealand then that completely throws up in the air the whole idea of having a live option on a social network doesn't it so that is true yeah it's I guess maybe come at a bad time yeah you're right I, I, you are kind of right though when you said about like facebook the differences between what people are using facebook and twitter for i think with facebook it's more like i've liked this page so i want to see their stuff so if I see a notification that they've gone live, I'm going to check it out. Whereas Twitter is more like if you're scrolling through and you see that someone went live, you figure, oh, it must be some kind of breaking incident, whatever it may be. So, yeah, maybe that's more the angle with Twitter. It's like when you need to like Twitter's all about like rapid fire communication. Right. So maybe the idea is that when you need to get something out, but video is a faster way could be it. Yeah, it could be it. could be it. Uh, I think it's um, I mean, it's a good feature to have. I mean, Personally, 95% of photos I share on social networks 
go into Instagram and then I can share what I want with family members on Facebook, share what I fancy on Twitter and keep the rest private. So, right. you know, that's, that's pretty much where I am with that. But, you know, Twitter's been expanding its features. You know, it's got the 280 characters now. It seems to be a long way from that social network that everyone thought was going to die 18 months ago. It's still going. Yeah, it does seem like they've kind of you know, tried to dial back some of the problematic features that people didn't like. Like they, they're they still reworking verification, I think. Um, so they're doing that and then adding stuff like this. So, yeah, I guess if Twitter continues to carve out its own niche compared to what people go on Instagram and other social networks for, then it may survive a bit longer yet. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, um, so we'll move on to Windows 10 which has been uh, notorious despite being easily the most successful version of windows since well windows 7 i suppose um let's um everyone's forgotten about windows 8 haven't they unless they're still using it it's still yeah it's still around i can't say that i've met too many people that actively use it i think I want to say I, I knew a few people who like bought a computer when windows 8 was the current version and they for whatever reason, didn't take advantage of the free upgrade to Windows 10. Um, so there may still be some people in the wild using it, but whenever I see instructions or tips and things like that, it's almost always Windows 7 or 10. I very but rarely see any content about 8. It's funny you should say that because I've got Windows 8 tablet right next to me, which I uh, acquired some years ago. And I wrote an article for MacUsoft about... Um, installing android on it which is what i'm trying to do at the moment for my dad because uh, he's a little short-sighted um it's a bit more detailed than that but that, that's the gist of it um and he's kind of struggling with a little seven inch uh amazon fire so i wanted to give him something bigger so he already had this windows tablet um which i'd given him a couple of years ago so i thought if you can get android on that then it's, it's going to be far more useful to him but i just don't seem to be able to get android on it anymore it's huh absolutely baffling um but back to windows 10 uh which has been a solid operating system but uh some of the updates have been proved to be dodgy and a lot of people have been i mean we've been encouraging people to avoid updating for yeah. as long as possible in order to avoid the i guess inevitable issues with um updating early and you know blue screens of death and other issues yeah uh, it's been it's been terrible. I I remember like two versions ago, it was like, hey, this is starting to happen to people who are updating. And then it almost became like a theme. Like the past like two or three versions had like major like blue screens or files being deleted and stuff like that. So it's yeah. it's gotten definitely to be a theme now. And the whole thing, I'm, you know, we talked about it before with, you know, when you click the check for updates button, it's assuming that you want an early version and all that stuff just not what we want out of windows updates for sure yeah have you been hit by a bad update i actually have not i the last version i lose track because the names were so bad like the october 2018 update i think i think it was yeah. i updated to that really early like i happened to click the check updates button before all this stuff had happened um and i got i got the new update pretty early but i didn't get hit by any of the file issues thankfully you're right the update names are pretty terrible i i think one of the things that um not linux in general but ubuntu in particular does really well is its naming system giving you the exact date of when 
it came out in in the version number. So the next version of Ubuntu is 1904, which means it comes out in April 2019. Yeah, that makes sense. And that makes sense. Windows, Microsoft should really um, consider adding some sort of sensible updating name to Windows 10, just so we know. You know, fall update, creators updates, you know, bar mitts for update next. I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah, but it, it does get very silly. That we, I think I've seen people talk about, and I've said this, that like they could do it to kind of like Android does or how Apple does with Mac OS, where, you know, Mac OS obviously was big cats in the old days, Jaguar, yeah. Tiger, Snow Leopard, and now it's California landmarks. Android is all desserts. I guess the problem, well, Android makes sense because it's an alphabetical order. So you know that ice cream sandwich is older than nougat. Um, I guess with Mac, you kind of have to just know like if you're not familiar with it, you wouldn't know that tiger is older than leopard or whatever, you know, like you wouldn't really know that unless you've been familiar with them. So I don't know, maybe Microsoft could do dogs, dog breeds in alphabetical order, something to make it way less clunky to refer to what version you have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, so, um, yeah, so Microsoft have introduced a feature to enable the automatic rollback of a failed update. Uh, this is something that's just been rolled out so this in itself isn't necessarily guaranteed to work right i think it's only in the it's in the insider preview in right the insider now preview, yeah right, which will so, be the next major version that people get after exactly. some time yeah and and at that stage it won't necessarily work either until it's you know it's been on even more computers and debugged completely but um the idea of debugging a kind of a bug fixing system might seem a bit alien to a lot of people, but you know, it's necessary. Uh, so yeah, so it's something to look forward to is, um, basically windows fixing bad updates of itself, which is kind of cool that it, that's, that's on the cars that that's going to happen. Yeah. I think it'll be nice. Um, it looks like based on this, it will, so I think the problem a lot of the time, obviously, is that, you know, when you install an update and it just fails or something gets totally screwed up, you're not really going to know what it, you know, I mean, you might think, well, I just installed this update, so that's probably the issue, but you're not going to know what went wrong. You know, maybe you had a, a device or a driver that got screwed up in the latest version. So it looks like this version of Windows going forward now will be smarter to say, um, you know, this, this is causing a problem. Let's uninstall it. And if that doesn't work, it'll just completely remove the update to begin with. So hopefully this should protect people from running into like computer ruining updates in the future. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. We hope, we hope, we hope. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to move into something, um, which is going to be a bit tangential and it's going to then spin off into something that Ben's going to be telling us about. Um, something he's compiled recently on make use of. And as ever, everything that we've discussed in this week's really useful podcast will be available in the show notes uh, at Transistor and at makeuseof.com and you can of course listen to us on iTunes, on Spotify on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts um, there's loads of other places you can find us as well so please subscribe to us and um, leave a review as well on iTunes if you can and you'll also find us on YouTube uh, if you don't mind looking at the logo or our heads or whatever <laughs> Um, depending on which show you catch. Now, a few years ago, I've recently um, launched a blog 
um, called techblogger.co.uk, in which I kind of go through the steps of how I became a, a, a writer about technology. Um, okay. It's mostly in the blogging area, um, although I do a bit of magazine work. And one of the th things that I talk about um, is how I got started in the whole tech area, uh, because I, I was working for the NHS in the UK, which is our national health service, uh, involved in um, an IT department which had a side project a major side project of what was called the um at the time was called the national project friday which is basically to bring all medical sites online and one of the things that we, we, we did a lot of tech support and did a support for um quite aging medical secretaries who were like close to retirement age who suddenly had to use a computer so i'd be writing guides out for them and sending them out in internal post and that's basically how i got into being a tech writer that makes sense okay yeah um now i'd spent a few years on this support desk and one of the most memorable calls we ever got was from a lady who every time she leaned across her keyboard being a well-endowed young uh well-endowed lady um she would make her screen turn sideways because of a an unfortunate keyboard shortcut that she was accidentally creating by leaning across the keyboard i think you know i think by now you should understand what i'm saying sure sure um which is the control alt and arrow keys will rotate your keyboard uh, big fan. They'll ret rotate your display. That's right. Yeah, and you've compiled a list, haven't you, Ben, of um, various unfortunate keyboard shortcuts? Yeah, yeah. So there are about there's probably more than this, but I compiled ten really popular ones. Um, as Christian mentioned, one of the really popular ones is that um, most computers that use integrated graphics like a laptop, the control alt arrow keys will completely rotate the screen. Um, I guess this could be useful in some cases, but if you have like a, a tablet or a, a, a flippable display, but in most cases it's just super confusing and it freaks people out. So uh, there are a ton of, actually there are a lot of shortcuts like that that are really useful in a specific context, but if you activate them by accident, you're, you think that, you know, something's going on or, you know, you have a virus or something like that. Um, one of the one of the most popular ones I see people have a problem with is the uh, sticky keys in Windows. So if you hit the shift button uh, five times, a little window pops up and asks you if you want to turn sticky keys on. And if you turn it on, which you might do by accident, um, sticky keys is designed for people that can't use a keyboard normally. So it lets you do a combination. So, for example, to press control, alt, delete, you can press control and let go, press, press alt and let go and then press delete like all one at a time and it'll, it'll still work. Well, with sticky keys, it like beeps every time you press a key. So if you turn it on accidentally and don't realize it, your keyboard is acting crazy and it's beeping every time you press control or shift or something. So it's really confusing uh, for people that don't realize what that is. Um, but there are a lot of them. I, I would, there, it's a lot to, to describe, of course. So I would recommend checking out the, the linked article for, some more info on them, but if it ever seems like something is just totally screwed up, um, definitely keep an eye out for those because they're easy to hit. And actually, it ties in nicely to there are three lock keys on an average keyboard, right? There's num lock, cap lo caps lock, and scroll lock. Mm -hmm. 
Scroll lock is pretty much not used in any modern software except for Microsoft Excel. So if you've turned scroll lock on accidentally, you probably would never notice because nothing uses it really. Except for Excel, it makes the it makes your arrow keys in Excel scroll the entire spreadsheet instead of moving what cell you've selected. So fun fact, if you never knew what scroll lock did, that's that's a one of the only examples I know in modern software. I'm just looking on my keyboard now. I use a Asus um, gaming laptop, and it doesn't. I don't think it has a scroll lock. Really? I have I have a a uh, Cooler Master keyboard, which I guess you could say is a gaming keyboard. It's a mechanical one, and it has a scroll lock. I, I think it just depends, because I know some. I mean, like I mean, we've seen Chromebooks don't have a caps lock key, right? They just have the search key. So mm. I guess it's up to the manufacturer. I really don't think you're going to lose anything by getting rid of scroll lock and no. certainly on a gaming laptop. I mean, you're not, it's, you know, the people that are going to be buying that aren't probably going to be using Excel or whatever. So it makes sense, but it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've got number lock and I've got caps lock, but no, I don't, don't have a scroll lock. Huh? I don't know if I've ever seen a computer without one. No, unless they've just forgotten to label it, but now I've got delete, insert, pause, break, print screen, assist request, Home and end uh, on the number pad, which is very close to the main keyboard. No, no sign of scroll lock. Scroll lock. Wow. Fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> well, the things you learn on the really useful podcast. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a good read that. Um, and uh, yeah, I agree about the lock things. And the cap, the caps lock can, and the scroll lock and the number lock can cause all manner of chaos. But in most cases, uh, there is a light to tell you that they're on. So uh, that's true. And I also found when I was when I was checking this out is that some some websites will tell you if caps lock is on, yeah. um, and also some browsers will. So I didn't know Chrome didn't do it for me, um, but when I was using Microsoft Edge just to test, um, when I when I hit hit caps lock before typing my password, it pops up and tells you that it's on. Which of course, if you have it on, it's going to mess your whole password up. So. If you ever if you ever keep typing your password on a website and it keeps saying it's wrong and you're sure that you're typing it correctly, it just could be something as simple that caps lock is on. Nice. Nice. Okay, uh, Cody. If you know what Cody is, then you probably know whether or not it's legal. If you know don't really know what Cody is or you've heard about it, um, you may have heard that it's illegal. Um, and really, the the answer is somewhere in between uh, now Cody is a piece of software that allows you to stream media um, from the internet uh, this media usually comes in the form of official add-ons and channels that are either bundled in when you install Cody or can be easily added on there might be things like YouTube channels or podcasts or things like uh, videos from um, TED Talks CNET uh, things like that Cody itself isn't illegal. It can be um, downloaded legally from the uh, from its own website, um, from Google Play, from the Apple App Store. I think it's available in the Windows Store as well. And it can be used to watch content that you own on your own device. Um, it's, it's, it's a big kind of media center player. Uh, so, you know, it, it's anything that you've got that you've installed or anything that's on your network that you can successfully streamed to Cody that you own, then that's fine. Now, where the legality, which is um, a really bad pronunciation of the word, comes into <laughs> it is um, when you start installing add-ons or if you purchase a fully loaded box. Now, where I live, Ben, there has been a 
big case uh, last year, high-profile case last year in 2018 about a guy who was selling the fully loaded boxes, um, being prosecuted uh, quite quite local. It's uh, big in the local news, and he got massive fine. And I think he might have spent some time inside. I may be wrong about that, but yeah, there was a huge fine involved. And he sold thousands of these fully loaded boxes uh, in person and online. And these are fully loaded boxes, basically have Cody pre-installed, um, but also a lot of add-ons for TV streams and on-demand content that's usually paid for, uh, which allows you to circumvent these. And this is where the illegal aspect of Cody comes into it. Um, certain add-ons, such as Exodus and its variants that stream movies, they are illegal. And um, while some people use VPNs to uh, get around using them to sort of like keep it under wraps that they're using these illegal add-ons uh, using VPNs in some countries is now illegal so using Cody isn't um, isn't illegal itself but some uses of it could get you in trouble uh, do, you, do you use Cody Ben? I don't know I really haven't used it I didn't use it when it was XBMC either I've had a little bit of experience with Plex in college because I had a friend that was really into it but I haven't used Cody myself no okay I've got it on uh, a Raspberry Pi but I don't use that Raspberry Pi at the moment because um, I don't know why I don't use that Raspberry Pi at the moment it's, it's sat on top of my Xbox so I'm kind of halfway towards um, I've got big plans for my Raspberry Pis basically and just things keep getting in the way so it's kind of going to be a media server but okay. uh, i just haven't really i've got a lot of media in a lot of places that i need to unify on one hard disk sure, drive sure. uh so yeah it's just sat there looking looking cute with a little raspberry logo on top of it <laughs> with a west in a western digital case but uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. So I've used it, and I've, I mean, I've written about it a few times with the Raspberry Pi. So uh, it's, um, and I'm actually, I'm in the process of the slow process. I, I, I guess I should admit of working out how to create a audio add-on for Cody, which would feature the really useful podcast, hopefully. Um, but it's quite slow going because I'm not a natural coder. So you mean you'd be able to access audio like on your home network as well as video, or you mean it would be like a repository to host the show? It'd be yeah, it'd be like an add, it'd be an add-on in Cody. So you'd you'd add it into your Cody system, and then you'd go in, have a look, and then you'd be able to listen to the latest, really useful podcast and previous episodes as well. Oh, okay, yeah, it's yeah, much that's, like that's cool. being a podcast and that. Yeah, but uh, you just listen to it through TV or tablet or whatever device you've got Cody on games consoles. Okay. It's available on Xbox, I understand as well, Cody. So uh, yeah, so yeah, Cody, not illegal unless you're doing something illegal with it. Basically, right? It's kind of like torrenting. There are a lot of things, really. I mean, it's not illegal in itself, but you can use it for nefarious purposes, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of Raspberry Pi, um, last week's Raspberry Pi special did quite well. Um, so if, I don't know if you missed last week's show, if you heard last week's show, but we, Ben, we we spoke, um, Ian Buckley and myself spoke uh, at length about the Raspberry Pi and getting started and various cool things you can do with it. And something that I mentioned was that I w had just finished spending a week using a Raspberry Pi as a desktop PC. And that went and pretty it well? It went surprisingly well actually huh. um you know there was uh a few hiccups with um 
too many browser tabs from time to time. I was using the 3B Plus, which is the most recent um, model of the B boards. And, you know, it's quad cores, 1.2 gigahertz, uh, one gigabyte of RAM. It did writing and editing, which is, you know, my bread and butter. And it's 90% of what I use the Raspberry Pi for. Uh, yeah, it, was, it went fine. It was uh, it was a remarkable little experience. Huh. I that, I think it's pretty interesting because I've never I have a Raspberry Pi. I've used it a little bit for like putting some like retro games on, but I haven't mm-hmm. like I haven't like decked it out and made it like really cool and customized and everything. But yeah, I think that's neat. I mean, it's if you got it, I mean, I guess it, you couldn't really make it like a portable computer because you'd need a screen, obviously. But yeah, I guess I mean if you were in a hotel or something, you could. If you brought an HDMI cable with you, you could hook up to the TV or something. Um, yeah, but that's super neat. Is it like how many tabs could you have open? Like a um, handful was too five, much? Or? Four or five, okay. uh, which is more than I needed really for writing and editing. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of websites it didn't like, but there, you know, there, you know, there's a lot of you know, JavaScript and um, whatever going on with those. Uh, Facebook, it struggles with. But, you know, standard static websites, absolutely fine. Research, fine. Uh, writing, browsing on make use of, fine. Yeah, it was, um, you know, on a thirty-five dollar computer. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome that you did it for a whole week. I think that's like a really good way to like test something fully and find out what quirks that you might not notice if you only use it for a day or whatever. Yeah. So would you do it again, or was it a one-time experiment? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, there was one day when I didn't use it because I use a laptop and I wanted to get out of the house, so maybe an hour in the evening i did a bit of editing but most of that day i didn't use it at all so i personally speaking wouldn't use it full time because i'd like the flexibility of having a laptop or tablet but um i mean if you know if push came to shove if there was a compulsion to have to do it i would not be entering into that compulsion with any kind of negativity i'd know that the hardware is there to do the job that i need to do so yeah, it's all. It kind of reminds me of like when I first tried a Chromebook. Like I, I think I wrote an article like my first week with a Chromebook or whatever. And it was the same thing. Like I wrote the whole article on it just to get a feel for how it felt to do that. And it's like, yeah, it wouldn't be your first pick for the device for mm-hmm. what device you're working on, but it's nice to know that you have that option. And it is crazy yeah. that such a little machine can do all that. It is. It is. You're absolutely right. And of course, I mean, I didn't even spend time on. Uh... You know, I didn't do any retro gaming. I could have, I could have been doing. Although that would have been quite distracting, but you know, <laughs> or even you know, streaming gaming from my PC to to the Raspberry Pi. Again, that would have been quite distracting. Doing all these other things you can do with it, and programming as well. Yeah, uh, that's right. With the, with the building tools. So um, yeah, but it it worked, and it's great. And you can find out about that, uh, Mr. Listener, Miss Listener, um, in the show notes that you can find out. I, I think I did it. I did a a little kind of diary sort of um, arrangement in the article so you can uh, find out what happened uh, from day to day uh, across those seven days now um ben you've been uh, watching a lot of youtube lately haven't you i have yeah it's for work i swear um <laughs> not much slacking off i have um yeah so i uh, a couple weeks ago i started kind of like a, a mini column where i've been looking at different youtube different collections of youtube channels for different topics um so each week I take five channels in a different um, area, I guess, and, and look at what makes them uh, stand out and highlight a couple of videos from those. So 
um, once again, it's like everything I've talked about today, I feel like has been, um, uh, not, not super, I can't explain the whole thing, uh, just talking to you, of course, but, um, a couple of the, the topics I've covered, I've looked at, uh, video game music, YouTube channels. So I've looked cool. at some channels that have, um, both like, like original quality game music, um, some remixes, um, some compilations of music. So you don't have to constantly change the track. You know, you can just put a compilation on for an hour or two, um, and things like that. So I love video game music. I think it makes mm-hmm. great background and work music and even if you don't really play games there's game music is made so that you can enjoy it but it doesn't take away from your focus um and if you have played these games you probably haven't been able to appreciate the music just listening to it because you know you have sound effects and you're trying to focus on what you're doing and everything so i really enjoyed writing that one so that would be that's my favorite one i've written recently um we've heard another stuff too if i can just what's that no go ahead um I had a small dental procedure last week, um, uh, so I'm getting a I'm getting a crown. Okay. And I've never had a crown before, and there was kind of um, uh, root canal work done, and one of the drills that was used um, was I I don't know what it does. I imagine it kind of creates some sort of shaping in order to hold the, the the filling or whatever is, I'm not, you know, I'm not a dental engineer, so I don't know the technical parts of this, but no, I'm not, no. But the, the drill was making a bit video game noises in my mouth. Really? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's really weird. It was totally weird. It might've been, it might've been the Novocaine. I don't know. But, um, so, you know, he was putting it in my mouth. It was going like, so you know i was playing like a really early 8-bit video game and that, you know that's the sort of sound i was getting it was really cool it's like i was playing an old c64 an old atari game in my oh. mouth <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure being at the dentist and that kind of thing is such a wonderful experience i'm sure that made it even at least i gave you a little bit of something yes. a little tune to enjoy while you had a drill in your mouth yeah, bang on bang on so I, do any of these channels you mentioned are there are any of these uh, retro gaming um, yes. Uh, one of them, Gilva Sunner is one of them. That one is, um, he d- mainly does Nintendo music. So, I mean, it's not like super, super like Atari, like really low, um, low bit stuff, but he does like Super Nintendo, NES, N64. Um, and then some, some, most of the other channels, like I said, are compilations. Um, one of them is just a guy's like personal list of his favorite video game music. So he has like thousands of videos of just tracks that he likes from different games. So yeah, some of them are classic, not super, super old, but, um, you know, a mix of modern and, and old for sure. And are these remastered? Some of them are, um, there are certain soundtracks where you can tell if you listen to a remastered track or the original, um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Donkey Kong country series. So, and I love that games, that, that trilogy's music. Um, so like you can, you'll notice if you listen to like an original quality one, it sounds kind of muddy. Um, but a lot of, a lot of, you'll see a lot of videos too, that are like extended. So it's like a 30 minute version. And if you listen to those, you can tell they've been touched up a little bit. Cool. So it depends I got, on the channel. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got a uh, a remastered Turrican. Uh, Turrican was a game that came out about 30 years ago on the Commodore 64 and Amiga and Atari. Um, and the soundtrack was by a guy called Chris Hillsbeck. And a couple of years ago, he remastered it uh, and released it as an MP3 album. And being That's... a massive, massive fan of the game, I bought the MP3 album. It absolutely sounds amazing in the car. 
really yeah that's that's so cool when like uh, they can elevate a soundtrack like that like like i feel and and it's for like um like games that haven't been like they haven't had a lot of games released in the series like that because like some some games like you know like, like mario and zelda they're still kind of using the same classic theme but they're just elevating it to new you know orchestrated or whatever so it's really cool to be able to have like a composer from all that time ago re-release and make uh make his work like so fresh again that's super cool yeah so uh, what else have you been looking at yeah so so the next one i I wrote recently is actually another music channel but it's not game related um it was just it's it's uh wow it's not it's partially music it's not all music excuse me um it was on relaxing youtube channels to help you chill out um so you know if you get get home from work and you need a little break um you need some help falling asleep anything like that um so we got some just relaxing music um we've got some channels that are just nice to watch um there's like there's a lot of cooking channels on youtube that are just super like the presentation is super soft and it's just like you can just watch it and not it's just like the sounds of you know them mixing the ingredients and pouring things are just very calming um yeah so that's a good one if you just want to enjoy you just want to chill out and enjoy a calming experience um, and some of the other ones, I looked at unboxing channels on YouTube. So uh, a big thing in the last several years for sure is you buy a new product, you know, a new set of headphones or a computer or whatever, and you take it out of the box and you show everybody what's in the box. So I looked at some channels that do that. Mm-hmm. And then the most recent one I did last week was uh, YouTube cooking channels. Um, so that are unique in some way. So there's a ton of cooking advice on YouTube, but I took a look at some channels that take cooking to a different level, uh, for whatever reason. And so if you like, if you like food, you like cooking, but you like a spin on it. Um, these are channels that you'll probably enjoy. Interesting. Binging with Babish. Yeah, that one was really cool. I'm not much of a cook myself, but he, he creates dishes from movies and TV shows. Um, has he got green milk, blue milk? I don't know. I have to look. I the one I highlighted was the spaghetti tacos from iCarly, which was a popular okay. like teen show, um, like when I was growing up. Blue milk. Star Wars, isn't it? Blue milk. No, let's see. Um, should be pretty easy to make, I would think. Um, I don't see any kind of milk on there. Well, on his channel, I just search for milk. As I say, it's probably too easy to make. It's probably just you know blueberries and milk yeah he's done like like i said the spaghetti tacos he's done um the supreme crabby patty from spongebob um i mean all kinds of stuff and and at at the beginning of each episode he shows a little clip of the food in the original context so you know where it's coming from but Uh yeah like in the presentation on these channels is really great too like even if like i said if you're not particularly interested in the food from the show it's just fun to watch because it's just it's it's quick moving you see all the ingredients come out his voice is really easy to listen to so there's a lot of good stuff on youtube i love just uh, you know the, the company is a different matter but like just the people that make the platform what it is i love the originality and the different things you can find on it so i love highlighting these channels like this i like the way you've included um english heritage is the victorian way as if it's some in some way not what we eat these days in the uk i <laughs> i didn't do a faux pas with that did i no i'm only teasing uh but the thing is a lot of people do tend to sort of with you know they do check back into family cookbooks and uh, as they do in the us i imagine and dig out old recipes so um 
yeah, I've I've stumbled across this before because I have a uh, interest in visiting uh, English heritage sites, and I've, I've seen one of these videos playing at one of the one of the uh, one of the houses, and uh, it's um, they they ended up making something that my wife had made like a fortnight before um, fr- from her uh, her grand's cookbook, which was amusing. Oh, that's really <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know a lot of people are into. Um... I mean, I know like there's, there's shows that people enjoy that are, you know, set in like old English times. And I know, I thought people would enjoy that, especially because the presentation was pretty authentic with, you know, her dressing up and talking yeah, like yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, she's working for the, a royal family or whatever. So I thought that was a fun one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't realize that was on a YouTube channel. I just thought it was. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to uh, d- dig into those. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, wow. Excellent. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, so, uh, well, I mean, we're. Um, We've been going over half an hour, so that's really, really useful podcast um, time up for us, I think, uh, and for you for this week, dear listener. Uh, just to uh, recap, we've um, discussed Twitter's new camera feature, or revised camera feature, uh, Windows 10's, if you're on the Insider preview, new feature for uninstalling buggy updates, which will probably be rolled out to the main Windows 10 later. And um, we've looked at whether Cody is legal or otherwise. And uh, we've talked about um, my week on a Raspberry Pi, using it as a desktop computer. We've also uh, looked at uh, Ben's collection of uh, keyboard shortcut errors, and how you can accidentally rotate your screen by simply leaning over your keyboard in a slightly uncomfortable manner and uh, a collection of um really cool youtube video uh channels um on various themes cooking video games uh unboxing my very first youtube video i update uploaded was a, an unboxing video of what i a talk a samsung taco uh feature phone oh huh i was, I was really annoyed by it um just to take a little sidestep, because what I was expecting, I'm I'm not sure what I was expecting either, because this is going back, it was 2006, 2007, so it's either a Windows phone, it must be a Windows phone, because it's just pre-Android. So yeah, it must be a Windows phone I was expecting. Uh, and it came, and it wasn't a Windows phone. So I had it for about two or three weeks and sent it back. <laughs> Sorry, Windows phone, I mean Windows Mobile. That's how long ago I was. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, the classic, classic Windows, Windows on a phone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's um, yeah. It was nice. It was lightweight, but no, I just didn't do what I wanted, what I wanted it to do. So uh, yeah, there's a there's a video of that. I'll put it in the show notes. You can all have a laugh. Um, and the show notes will include everything we've discussed in this week's really useful podcast. And uh, we are the tech podcast for technophobes. So if you know someone who will benefit from learning or having ba- complicated ideas broken down into you know digestible relevant points we're not discussing you know microprocessors and chips and we're not we don't really care too much about going in depth into things like game industry events or you know any industry event really um we're here to stuff the boring stuff we're not here for the boring stuff we're here to make the stuff that you're already using simpler and to give you a way into the stuff that maybe you should be using so please share us with your friends and relatives who will benefit from this leave us um feedback give us a rating on itunes that'd be awesome if you could do that um and uh 
yeah, to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, or on YouTube, or however you usually get hold of your podcasts. Uh, until next time, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Ben. Yes, thanks everyone. It was a good time. Hope you enjoyed, and uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. <laughs>